0: A Start On Demand. demand.
1: A Winnipeg grocery store once again opens its doors on a holiday and once again gets threatened with fines by the province. We'll tell you about Food Fair and how they told the province to take a hike. In case you forgot, the PST has gone down. On Canada Day, it fell from 8% to 7%, but the math from the province on how much money you're going to save isn't really adding up. And a Manitoba woman who happens to be our friend is vying for the crown of Ms. Health and Fitness with Muscle and Fitness Hers. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling with Loren McNabb on vacation this week. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Tuesday, July 2nd podcast for the Start. Mackling and McGarry with McNab on vacation. She'll be back next week. It's 24 degrees. Hang on a second. What is the note? 24.7? Oh, it's rising. It was 24.2 when I walked into the studio like five minutes ago. It's you. It's, your, it's your heat. Hot air. So much hot air. Just a windbag. Nah, you're just so hot, Brett. You know. Yeah. So hopefully that... Uh, the, it's set to 18, but... <laughs> That's not happening. No. No. Are you wearing jeans today? Yeah. I wore jeans because it was 11 degrees when I left this morning. Yeah,
0: I wore golf shorts today. Not yeah. that I'm golfing, but... I like to wear shorts whenever I can. Yeah. I think I made a good decision today.
1: You did. And I'm going to rue the day that oh. I made the decision to wear jeans. I so. Just
0: realized it is really like now I can feel it. Maybe you know, had we're I we're not said anything.
1: <laughs> kind of like, you know, have you ever uh, cut yourself but not realized it? And yes. then, you, then you didn't start feeling the pain yes. until you looked down and went, "Oh, I cut myself!" For and sure, now it
0: hurts. Now it hurts. I
1: remember playing. Oh, I was at my uncle Ron's place when I was a kid, and I was just kicking a soccer ball around in his backyard. And I don't know when I cut myself, but I I looked down and my foot was bleeding, and then I started limping. And I think uh, at that point, they <laughs> my aunt and uncle made fun of me, like, "Oh, now it hurts." Like, well, I didn't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I, in hindsight, I sort of felt something, but I didn't know. So
0: I just kept going. And the, the wrong foot limp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, today. Busy morning. Holy crow. Jam packed. Yeah. Jam-packed. yeah
1: that we've got lots to, to talk about this morning, including Sean Penn visiting Food Fair saying that it's never been harder to find an open grocery store oh on boy. a holiday.
0: Well, you know, just because Sean Penn says so doesn't make it so, but I suspect he's right. You know, we're hearing that, uh, food fair is going to continue their fight against legislation that prevents them from being open on holidays. And Sean Penn is saying, well, maybe you should do that indirectly. Yeah, good. Cause he wanted some food, needed some groceries, couldn't find anything ended up at one of the food fair locations.
1: Yeah, we uh, got a message from uh, Giovanna over at Browse by G on Provence on the 680 CJOB Instagram, and she says a few places, a few other shops were open too, and I wonder why the province is
0: singling out food fair. You can gamble, you can buy weed, you can buy booze. But you can't buy groceries at a store that employs more than four people. This is archaic. There's only one I only have one concern about revisiting this and revamping this law. Could it potentially, if it's not worded correctly, could it open the door for opening the wrong types of establishments on Remembrance Day and on Christmas Day Mm. and other days that that are sort of sacred in the sense of we want everything to be closed. Are there any of those days left? Maybe that's the larger question.
1: Well, in a, with Remembrance Day, are you not allowed to open, but just after, was it 1 o'clock? I think it's after 1 o'clock. Okay. So they can still be open. So are you, is the fear then that it'll open the door for businesses to crack
0: open their doors before 1 o'clock? Yes. And to, and to, and to contravene what I think a lot of us, I think, I think a lot of us see there are certain lines that can't be crossed. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are some that say that food fair shouldn't be open. That's the law. Follow the law. Mm -hmm. There are others are saying the law is kind of dumb. Good on you for flouting it. And then there are others that might be saying, Hey, hold on. We might be on a slippery slope here. The retail sales act. Probably does need to be re-examined, but we got to be really careful what we open the door to because I think there are some sacred cows for some people in terms of days where everybody should be off, or at least as many people as possible should be off. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair.
1: I, but I, I, I think the law is dumb. If if a grocery store, a food fair wants to open and they've got workers who want to work,
0: even on Christmas Day. <laughs>
1: Christmas Day, I think, is is one that maybe they could leave alone, but a day like Canada Day, I don't have a problem with that, especially when other, like, oh, well, then here's this. Are Is the casino open on Christmas Day? That I
0: don't know. I, I'm thinking no.
1: Yeah, so if, if even the the casinos and the cannabis stores and the liquor marts are closed on Christmas, then I would have no problem with leaving that. But on days where those stores are allowed to be open or right. those establishments are allowed to be open, then I don't see why other businesses can't be open if they choose to be open. Like a lot of businesses just don't open on Sundays because mm-hmm. they don't want to. That's or a lot right. of businesses, like my barber is closed on Mondays. Because he, he does Tuesday to Saturday, and it, then he closes Sunday and Monday. He needs a day off. Yeah. He needs a weekend. Yeah, well, a lot of times I, I'll go to a... I've gone to restaurants on a Monday and walked up to the door and realized, oh, they're closed. Because a lot of places just don't choose to open, and that's their prerogative. They, can, prerogative. they don't have to be open. And with the uh, this particular situation here with this grocery store if food fair wants to open i don't see why they can't and with the province is this a case of a is it a vendetta against food fair or is it b well we gotta we need to see we gotta hand out some tickets or we gotta visit some people we know food fair is going to be open so let's just go there because i don't justify justify
0: your own existence i'm too lazy to find out who else is open today (laughs) perhaps that's the case Holy crow the text messages are flowing in with regard to this question about what's the line in the sand for opening businesses on holidays
1: yeah we uh, we got a surprising amount of pushback on Christmas because the we we brought up the idea should businesses like Food Fair or should anything be open on Christmas and I suggested maybe we draw the line at Christmas not because I'm I don't observe Christmas. For its religious reasons, Christmas uh, has never been a religious holiday. It was more about Santa Claus than it was about Jesus Christ. It's Sometimes a family a holiday, though. Yeah, I look at Christmas as a celebration of of, lo- of loved ones, of family, of friends. It's a celebration of joy. and But I guess, really, when I think about it, if I'm okay with businesses choose if they want to be open on a holiday like Canada Day and they choose
0: to do so and they've got workers to do it, why not Christmas? And that's the operative word, right? There's a delicate balance there for employers. Do they have enough employees that are willing to work on certain days? I suspect Canada Day might not be a challenge. You have university students and other people who are looking this at an opportunity to make Double time and a half to make overtime, to put some money in the bank. uh, Labor Day and Thanksgiving Day, probably similar situations for a lot of people. "Ah, I'll take it or leave it. I was in the restaurant business for a long, long time. And the only guaranteed days off were Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and Christmas Day. And other than that, you were working Sundays, you were working evenings. Your schedule was all over the place if you wanted to make money.
1: Yeah, and when I worked, uh, I worked at a call center, and I was a full-time employee, but we were paid hourly, so I I would gobble up as many holidays as I could, including Christmas Day, much to the chagrin of my family, I'm sure, because... Our Christmas morning would sometimes be Christmas Eve, would sure. sometimes be Christmas, e- the evening of Christmas Day, uh, because my schedule kind of dictated that. But I need, you know, I needed the cash, so I was happy to work
0: on Christmas Day. So
1: I guess if a business wants
0: to open on Christmas, why not? Your beloved uh, movie theaters are open on Christmas Day.
1: Yep, a lot of people. I mean, we're getting here's a, an example of a text from Faye who says, You mean kind of like myself, a staunch, non-pagan Christian health care worker that's forced to work Saturdays, the true day of rest. Is is that true? Is Saturday the day of... I thought it was Sunday was the the typical day of rest. Faye
0: can maybe elaborate on that for us.
1: Well, hey, it wasn't just the provincial government who noticed that Food Fair was the only grocery store open in Winnipeg on Canada Day. The
0: local grocery chain which flouted the laws requiring them to stay closed on statutory holidays was visited by two... Notable guests on Canada Day, one of whom was more welcome than the other. Food Fair's Ramsey Zeed told our own Jeff Courier that his Portage Avenue location was promptly visited by representatives of the Manitoba Labor Board upon opening its doors on Monday.
2: You're in this ongoing fight with the province about opening up on stat holidays, and yesterday was no different. And, and you had promised, uh, you and the family had said, we're opening Canada Day 11 to 6. So what happened?
3: They came to uh, our 2285 Portage Avenue location, which was the same location as the Good Friday. And a gentleman and a woman from the labor board came in and asked to speak to a manager because my brother that normally is there is away. So the manager came and he asked to see uh, records. Uh, He wanted the names, addresses, phone numbers of all the employees working that day. So we told him, sorry, that's confidential information. We can give you the names, but that's it. He said, well, if we don't comply, then we can give you a $1,000 per employee fine on top of the opening fine.
2: Had they ever made well, this that's... kind of request before, Ramsey? Have they ever asked for, um, for your employee information?
3: Well, they asked for the employee information the last time, and we gave it to them. So they should have the information there already. Hmm. But because uh, my brother was away, the information is kind of put away i mean it's people's private information it's not just their phone numbers and their addresses it's their social insurance numbers, their emergency contact numbers it's it's stuff that we don't just leave laying around
2: yeah, okay, so you said, sorry, not happening
3: yeah and, not and
2: did did they issue a summons or a ticket of any kind at the at the uh, time
3: no they actually they they had a, a piece of paper ready with food fair written on it um saying okay you have to comply or else there's a $1000 per employee uh, fine we ha- they asked us to prove a uh an entity of business like we haven't been around for the last 30 years. Now
1: Zeed said the company is still waiting for a court date for that earlier violation and that he fully expects a second summons is forthcoming. The second notable visitor was a Hollywood actor filming in Winnipeg who was just looking for some groceries and was unaware of the Canada Day opening ban.
3: Um, At the Maryland location, Sean Penn actually came in and did quite a large shop. Um, We had a little conversation with him and he was actually shocked. Um how hard it was to find a grocery store that was open. He says, I've been everywhere and it's never been this hard to find a grocery store open on a holiday. So he was actually pretty shocked and pretty relieved to find out that we were open.
2: And this is a man who's traveled the world many times.
3: Sure, yeah, he's been all over. (laughs) What was he like? He actually was very down to earth. Uh, He had one other person with him. He talked to many customers, he took some photos. Just a, a really nice guy. All right. So,
2: so you had one, one well, a couple. Uh, the first visitor was not unexpected. You expected him to show up, the guy from the labor right. board, but uh, yeah. but to have Sean Penn come in your store, that kind of brightens the day a little bit, a little star that, quality. Yeah,
3: that had everybody kind of excited and put some smiles on people's faces. So, it it was it was nice. It was fun.
0: I hope they got to Sean Penn to do, you know, when I'm in Winnipeg, I shop at Food Fair. <laughs> but, you know, this just does open up an, a whole other can of worms. And Jeff Courier just spoke to him in the newsroom over uh, the news uh, with Jeff Braun at the bottom of the hour. And he says he's reached out to the province to find out how many other citations, how many other visits, etc., were conducted on Canada Day. So uh, we're not going to let this story uh, slip by. And uh, clearly, you have lots of opinions on this. As you're filtering uh, your responses to us at 780-6868 on the text machine about whether it's not whether or not it's time to revisit the way we do business on
1: holidays. Faye will also saying I hate to open a can of worms this big, this early in the morning, but Christmas Day is not truly a Christian holiday. Open the store and leave the choice to the like-minded me's out there. Another text saying, Good morning, why close Christmas Day when not everyone celebrates Christmas? I've never understood why a Christian holiday gets precedence. Either close all holidays or none.
0: Another a listener doing the analogy thing. I like analogies, as you know, Brett. Yes, I don't like school zone speed limits, like a lot of people. That doesn't mean that a bunch of drivers speeding through them is an effective way to get them changed, and that we shouldn't expect a speeding ticket if we do so.
1: Mackling and McGarry with McNab back next week in our next half hour. We're going to talk more about the PST, get into the details on how some businesses were overcharging, and you can go back and get a refund on that. We'll get into the brass tacks of that a bit later, but question of the day at cjob.com, which is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Would you go back for a refund if a business charged you a PST of 8% instead of 7%? And 61% say, absolutely. 20% 20% say, I don't even check my receipts, and 19% say, no way. You can cast your vote at cjob.com until we change a question of the day. So that got us wondering about the weird stuff we actually have gone back <laughs> to get, our, for which we would need a refund. I once bought a bag of hot dog buns from Safeway on Kildare in Transcona, just uh, Kildare and Wayota, and I got home. We're getting ready to barbecue some stuff, and I open up the bag, and I guess it's you know, on me I didn't fully inspect the bag, but the bottom, all the buns in the bottom were com- just like complete mold. Like the bottom of the buns were moldy. So I took them back, and they gave me a hard time. Well, in what sense did they give you a hard time? I said you didn't, you didn't check the product? Like if I'm picking something up off of your shelf,
0: I expect it to be in in, in not completely destroyed by mold. <laughs> yeah, tip-top shape, not necessarily, but I mean, you do open the eggs to make sure the eggs aren't cracked, right? Yeah. Uh, you do, I guess, somewhat inspect that the milk carton or the milk jug isn't leaking to a certain extent, but... I don't think I've ever checked over a bag of buns or a loaf of bread and gone, I better make sure that it's not moldy before yeah. I put it in my cart. So I'm on your side. I can't, did they eventually apologize to you? Yeah, they gave me the money back. but well, That's uh, not an apology. There was a there was a there
1: was a That's bit a, of a given. I, I,
4: I did this yesterday. I bought a bag of apples, and at the very bottom, there was only one, but it was rotten. I didn't okay. notice it. And do I bring that back now? The whole thing? Yeah.
0: Well, you know what they say, one bad apple will spoil the whole bunch, so you should probably take back the whole bag.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, good to know. (laughs) Jeff, uh, have you ever had to go back for a refund for something?
5: I, I must have returned some food at some point. I don't recall. The only thing I really remember returning was banged up DVDs I got in the mail from Amazon. And I got a, a great deal on this box set of Preston Surgis movies and uh, it was all smashed up. The discs were fine, but the box, the fancy box is all smashed up. So I like, well, this is no good. So I returned the $20 box set of DVDs. It cost me $15 to return it in shipping, which they don't reimburse you for, Mm-mm. even though they, it's their fault it got banged up in the first place. So ever since then, I don't buy fancy stuff on the internet. It's like, if I don't want, if it's not something that can get banged around, I'm not buying it online. You buy it in person. Yeah. So, so you got your money back, but you had to pay for the shipping. They, they sent me another co- version, copy of it, a less banged up for copy. <laughs> it still had a dent in one corner. And oh, was my like, God. Ah, whatever. <laughs> really?
1: <laughs> Actually, now, now that you mention the milk, I once had to return a jug of milk uh, to, there's a drugstore on court, and I bought a, a four-liter jug of milk. And I checked, I always checked the expiry date, sure. and it was not even close to the expiry date, but when I opened that milk, it almost knocked me out. It was disgusting. So I just, I, I lived right next door. So I had just had to march back and say, hey, throw it on the counter and said, this is, uh, this has gone bad.
0: Well, I think I told you I was a milkman at one point in my life, and I'll never forget the day I pulled up uh, to a house in Charles. It was about 11 o'clock in the morning, and a lady said, the milk from this morning is sour, blah, blah, blah. And she hands me the cart, and she goes, here, smell it. I said, I don't want to smell it. I take your word for it. I will take back the cart in the and exchange it for another one. I, I just love when people go, this tastes... Does this taste off yeah, to exactly. you? <laughs> if it tastes off to you, I'm very don't comfortable in the to notion, <laughs> yes, that it might be off. Uh, that it might be off to you. I, I don't need to taste it to verify the fact that it tastes lousy. Thank you very much. Do you ever
5: run into the thing where you go to a, a, a drive-through or whatever, and they give you the wrong food?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, now,
5: yeah. do you return that, or are you one of these people that's like, ah, oh, I can eat anything on their menu, so I'm, I'm hungry now, so I'll just wolf it down. Oh, no, I I'll just eat
4: back. it. I you just do? eat it. Yeah. Well, um, for me, when it comes to refunds, I'm not, uh, like, unless it's like something really expensive, I usually just the heck with it and deal with it, eat it, <laughs> whatever. Um, do you yeah. check
5: the bag before you drive too far? Because oh, I do I've, now. You so know so many Pesci times says? I've gone all the way home and it's like, oh, come on. Well, I'm not going back. And, I, and I'm picky, so I end up just throwing it out. That's, see, that that's not right. No.
0: You should check it. and then, uh, I do that get, now. Now you get the <laughs> honk of the horn behind you. But as Pesci says, is it a uh, lethal weapon too?
1: Don't go through. <laughs> You always get screwed at the drive-through. That was a good good. impression. (laughs) Yeah, that was good,
0: Greg. Yeah, well, and with fast food
1: too, they make so many mistakes, and it's just because they're pumping out so many orders. But especially with the breakfast sandwiches, I can't. How many times, Jeff, have you said, "Hey, you want the egg on this uh, McMuffin?" I always
5: say, "Sausage McMuffin. Do you want egg? No egg." And it comes with an egg. And then I was like, all oh, bread will eat the eggs. Peel so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it off and give it to bread. <laughs>
1: yeah. And if you were, plus, too, like when I worked in fast food, we would get calls, not all the time, but I'd say, you know, a couple of calls a week from people who said, hey, I just came through the drive-thru. I ordered this, I got that, or ordered this without whatever, and I got extra. So we would just take their name and put it in the book and say, okay, next time you come through, just tell us and uh, you know your meal will be on us. So if you go through a fast food restaurant and they screw up your order, not, there's a very good chance all you got to do is pick up the phone and let them know.
0: Yeah, uh, even uh, McDonald's back in the day was always good at that because I check now so I don't get home yeah, and here. have that situation. At least I try to do my best. And even if they forget a napkin or something like that, I often will park inside. Hey, you forgot to give me a a napkin. Here's a good news uh, return story from our loyal uh, listener, Tim. I bought some bathroom cleaner from Walmart. And when I was going to pay, I realized the cleaner started to discolor, uh, discolor, pardon me, and eat through my leather glove. I went to customer service and they told me to go to the store I bought the gloves from and bring them the receipt. Walmart refunded me fifty five
5: oh. bucks for new gloves. Wow, that's good customer that, service. That is. Yeah. That's some strong cleaner. I could use that for my tub. <laughs> 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 I'll uh, get the brand before you <laughs> hear from Tim.
1: And here's another one. Somebody saying I bought broccoli from. Looks like that same Safeway on Kildare. The, the bun thing, by the way, happened like 10 years ago. Uh, bought broccoli and it was infested with little green worms. I returned it, no problem. They took it back, so that's good to hear.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, uh, one of the things I always took pride in the most uh, when I worked with Earl's, I'll never forget the time a customer said, you know what, Greg, we love coming here, the food's good, but what separates you from everybody else is when you make a mistake, you fix it. I always wore that with a badge of honor. I think that's a big deal in in retail or any sort of customer service.
1: We're getting some text messages, one in particular about Boston Pizza. Yeah,
0: a couple of years ago, my husband and I, not, this is from a texter. I'm not reading this uh, in first voice. My husband and I ate dinner at Boston Pizza at Portage & Morey. We took our leftovers home, but discovered they'd given us someone else's leftovers. I called the restaurant, and they not only apologized, they delivered a gift card to us within the hour. Wow. Fantastic customer service. Thank you for sharing that with us at 780-6868. And that, that actually reminds me of a situation
1: also involving a pizza place. It was at the Santa Lucia on St. Mary's, where we did our Patio Palooza every Friday a couple of summers ago, which was super fun.
0: I miss the Patio Palooza, (laughs)
1: Brett. I do, too. I do, too. But uh, I want to say, say, eight or nine years ago, I was at that San Lucia, and we sat in the lounge, and we were sitting maybe 10 feet from the beer fridge. We could see the beer, and our server... um, for whatever reason, was just not up to the task. She was not very good at her job. It took us 10, I think we sat there for 10 minutes before she even came over to say hi. And then it took us another 10 minutes to get her drinks. Like I was tempted to just get up, walk behind the bar and grab my beer. And it was especially frustrating too because my girlfriend at the time was a server slash bartender and I watched her dominate uh, patio in the exchange district with 50 people. She could do it by herself. No one ever had an empty drink. So it made it, I was ex, was more keenly aware of just how bad the service was. And so we we sent them a note after and we said, hey, you know, we, we love your the establishment. We love the food, but the service was awful. So they invited us back on them. Uh, they The food was going to be covered, but our drinks were on, you know, we they weren't going to cover our drinks. Well, I don't know what was happening. When we came back, we took advantage of it. There was a, the table beside us. There was a situation. The family was arguing with the management about something. So they, uh, because of that spectacle, they said, hey, guys, we know you're here on a, because you had a bad experience last time. We don't want this to taint your experience. So the whole bill is on us. So I just wanted to say thanks to Santa Lucia. I I, I appreciate when a business goes out of its way to rectify a situation. So good on them.
0: You build a business one customer at a time. I don't care if you're Sobeys, Costco, CJOB. It doesn't matter if you're Boston Pizza, Santa Lucia. One customer at a time. We were just talking about a business that uh, we heard, I won't mention it by name, but has had a little bit of a disaster with regards to the weather. And... It it has the potential to to kill their business mm-hmm. based on what's happened. And uh, I'll never forget, and we'll move on from this. I'll never forget the day one of my regional managers, we had a power outage at Earl's in Vernon. And uh, Steve Faraday, great guy, came in and he said, uh, Mac, I saw you closed at 9 o'clock on Monday night. What happened? Well, we had no power. Do you have a barbecue? Did you have ice in the ice machine? All this, these lists of things that we could have done to maintain, to, to keep going and to maybe even provide a very unique dining experience for people who were still coming in. And he said, you know what? One bad night in a restaurant business could kill you. Could kill your whole business, and I always carried that with me. So wow. uh, yeah, it's uh, it's neat to hear these stories uh, about businesses that go above and beyond the expectation, as we used to say. Well, you can continue to weigh in at two zero four seven eight zero
1: sixty eight sixty eight, but now. We move on to the fact that there are billboards, there have been billboards all over Manitoba, touting the reduction in the PST
0: from eight to seven percent, but apparently not everybody has seen that. on Canada Day. Manitobans were supposed to be celebrating a cut in the PST. If you purchased anything since Monday, you may want to check your receipt. Depending on where you go, you may not be seeing that difference in what you're paying at certain cash registers, Global's Merrick to Cash. Explains.
4: It appears some businesses didn't get the memo when it comes to reducing the PST they charge their customers. To me, at this point, it would be a scam. Wyatt Delbridge was shocked to see he was still being charged 8% PST when he bought his pizza on Monday. You know, they they really can't be charging this, and they're just, they're, they're just, just going to pocket the money now. It doesn't make any sense to me. The tax on this iced coffee here at the Marriott Hotel was 8%, When I questioned the employee, she said their system should be fixed by next week, but in the meantime, she refunded me five cents. But when Delbridge noticed the mistake on his Pizza Pizza receipt, he wasn't so lucky. When I went down there, I took uh, the summary of the the provincial budget and the calculations that they needed to do. I showed it to the individuals there at the store, and they said, no, they can't do that. Only people in Toronto can deal with that kind of stuff. The provincial government says anyone who is still being charged 8 percent should contact Manitoba Finance. The taxpayers Federation agrees. But ultimately it does come back to government as well. Uh, they need to keep an eye on this. they need to make sure the uh, the tax rates being charged to consumers are the right rates. Customers are being advised to ask the retailer to refund the difference on the spot. Merrick to cash. Global News.
1: And again, worth pointing out that Pizza Pizza, since that story, uh, they did say, yep, we we acknowledge that there was a problem and we have since, well, here's uh, what it says. We can confirm that Pizza Pizza locations across Manitoba charged consumers a PST amount of 8% on July 1st. We have worked quickly to rectify the error and as of today, so this is yesterday, all restaurants will be charging the correct PST amount of 7%. Consumers affected by the price change can bring their order receipts to a Pizza Pizza location and will be refunded the difference.
0: Yeah. That's what else can you ask for, right? Uh, I don't know if it's reasonable to expect the government to be up on all this. I I, I think, uh, retailers uh, need to be responsible for their own business. And as consumers, we, we, we should probably really be taking a close examination of our receipts over the next few days, few days, just to make sure you're not being charged that extra percent. One of our listeners, uh, who uh, texts in on a regular basis said, you you know, there's this retail practice. If, if you take it to the till and they scan it wrong and it's under $10, you're supposed to get that item for free. If you, if, if you scan an incorrect price and my mother-in-law is the queen of, of knowing the price that it says on the shelf versus what she gets charged. And, and she calls uh, retailers on this all the time. And, and, and that, that's supposed to be the practice. Tim asking, is this not the equivalent of charging you the wrong price? And if it's under a certain value, should you not be getting a refund for the entire thing?
1: Oh, boy. Question of the day at cjov.com brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. Would you go back for a refund if a business charged you 8% instead of 7? 61.43% say Absolutely. say, I don't even check my receipts, and 18.57% say no way. And we got another text message here on the customer service. We were talking about uh, Jeff Braun often gets the sausage McMuffin. He doesn't want the egg, just wants the sausage McMuffin, but he sometimes gets the sausage and egg. McMuffin, and which I am then the the, the proud recipient uh, <laughs> of, of the egg. But uh, so we have a listener who says McDonald's made the same error on my order four times in a row, and I complained on the website. Then the regional manager called me and gave me six free meals, and the store manager followed up with me twice to make sure. My success of orders were correct. It was really very nice. They have made no errors since then, and maybe they gave those uh, early morning staff free
0: coffee. Hey, man, I always used to say, I know you're going to tell 10 people when you have a negative experience in my establishment, please, please, please make sure one of those 10 people is me. I want to know so I can fix it. That's a good mantra, Greg Mackling.
1: We always bring in the mayor. Mm-hmm. Mayor Brian Bowman, we always play him in with Iron Maiden. We brought in another member of the of our city hall here right now who want has a special request for her own music. Mm-hmm. Councilor Sherry Rollins, is this acceptable?
6: Oh, that's, that's good. First thing in the morning, a little Beastie Boys. Thank you.
1: Sabotage. When they scream here, it's <laughs> awesome. Recently upgraded to HD on YouTube, by the way. YouTube went to, into the archives and they took a whole bunch of old music videos and uh, reframed them and made them HD. I like that.
0: Yeah. I love this song a lot, too. My boys are yelling at the radio right now, oh, Dad, you and the Beastie Boys, give it up. Sherry uh, Rollins and I uh, agreeing on the Beastie Boys, and I think yeah. Brett loves them as well. Is that right, Brett? Uh, yeah, Beastie yeah. Boys. License good. to ill. Have it on cassette. Uh, <laughs> you haven't worn it out yet? No.
6: so I'm uh, a little younger than the mayor. You know, he's 48. I'm 44. So the hairband, Beastie Boys.
0: We would never, ever ask you how old you were, but if you want to, <laughs> you know, offer up that information, we'll take it ticket. Uh, Sherry is the uh, city councillor for Fort Rouge East Fort Gary. A big weekend for your part of the city, of course. The yeah. Osborne Village Canada Day celebrations have been a hallmark yeah. for Winnipeg for decades now. Uh, successful uh, Canada Day celebrations again oh, this yeah. year?
6: Oh yeah, it was uh, quite a party. It was quite a party. People were down on Sunday and on Monday. and uh, I, think, I think Winnipegers from everywhere were in Fort Rouge East for Gary Ward uh, having their Canada Day weekend.
0: So what does it look like on Osborne Village? Can you paint us a picture for those that don't go down on Canada Day? Well, uh, there was no
6: one that wasn't there. But it, yeah, was, fair enough. It, was, it was it was it was a crowd. It was a crowd of people walking right down the middle of uh, Osborne. There was lovely patios set up at every restaurant and bar and uh, you could you could make your own shake in front of Aubie Cons, uh, green carrot, uh, and it was dynamic. There was Captain Canuck walking around in his uh, superhero uniform. Captain Canuck, um, wow. every mascot I think in Winnipeg was there, uh, hugging some kids and taking family photos. It was it was a beautiful beautiful weekend.
0: So, that, but this is a once a year celebration. Some conversation now. Some mm-hmm. people discussing the idea that perhaps every weekend in the summertime mm-hmm. we could close down Osborne Street from from as I guess a river to between River and Stradbrook yeah. and create a pedestrian mall where we could essentially extend the front the frontage of of businesses yeah. what's your take on this
6: well you know we're doing it. So last summer, the Winnipeg Exchange District, David Pensado, he, he closed down from August to September, Albert Street. Uh, same reason, same dynamic shops, restaurants, bars, and performance spaces. Cordon. Cordon uh, is being closed down Hugo, Daly, and Lilac for the same reason. A bit of a concert, dynamic, vibrant shops and bars and restaurants.
1: Were they actually closing down stretches of Cordon?
6: Yes, sir. So- for sure, Hugo Daily and Lilac are, okay. are closed down um, for for the summer concert series of the Corriden Biz, um, and and of course Osborne Village. So it's that same permit that we use for uh, whether it's a fun run or in this case a, a concert. Uh, we use we use that permit to close down the streets. Um, but as you know, many cities uh, have this on a more permanent or mm-hmm. seasonal basis, and so uh, last night took to social media and. Said, I like pedestrian malls. Do you like pedestrian malls? And you know what? People love pedestrian malls, judging from uh, all the people that were there for Canada Day uh, this weekend.
1: Now, when it comes to Osborne Village, I mean, Mm -hmm. we all know that the street festival is coming on a yearly basis for Canada Day, so we can prepare for that. and just avoid that area. But if you were to cut off Osborne, just even for just one block, like you're coming off a bridge, it's a major artery to get uh, into South Winnipeg, for example. And Mm -hmm. if you're diverting traffic off of uh, either onto Roslyn or River and then back around through Stradbrook, does that not create a huge pile of extra traffic going through what is essentially a residential neighborhood.
6: Well, I don't think a huge uh, pile of, of traffic, but we do need to tell everybody about temporary closures or, or closures in general. So for instance, uh, on July 26th and in August 30th, Edmonton Street will have a temporary clo- closure for a night market. Uh, and that 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 we've informed everybody about the three weekends that that's happening. It happened on June 28th so that people can plan, prepare, and and, uh, and temporarily divert.
0: Yeah, now I, I have no problem with uh, this concept of pedestrian malls. In fact, I think uh, just a few weeks ago we had this discussion and the idea of closing Edmonton Street, at least in stretches, if not permanently, to vehicular traffic at certain times. But it's a dead end. It's really not mm. a through street. Yeah. Albert Street is... St- somewhat self-contained and so it's not affecting traffic flow in the overall city or one area of the city. Osborne is clearly a main artery and that's got to be one concern people would have about this. What are are the chances of making this happen and how many weekends are we talking about potentially?
6: Well, for sure I'm here to say it is happening uh, whether it was the Exchange District that did the experiment last summer or Cordon Biz this summer or Edmonton Street just next week uh, or in a couple weeks so this is happening around the city um, for Osborne village in particular it's a great discussion we're having and I, I judging from the amount of Winnipeggers that did uh, walk and enjoy Canada Day that responded positively uh, I think it's one worth having for sure
1: what if you were to open up Osborne, to, as a pedestrian mall for every weekend in the summer, would that then not take away from the how special the street festival is? Because that's a once-a-year event that people look forward to, and if you do it every weekend, would that not take off some of the shine of that?
6: No, I'm the counselor for Fort Rougie's Fort Gary and and during the election I had to think am I equal to the task of the parties that I must host and assist in hosting and I think fundamentally, (laughs) it was a key question, uh, and I think fundamentally uh, you know, I think Winnipeggers are ready to bring that party. Uh, I think it's uh, really important to do it thoughtfully so uh, I am a policy analyst despite being equal to the task uh, of partying um, and loving the beastie boys. I am a policy analyst <laughs> so, I, you know, Victoria City has guidelines to look at the economic benefits, the ecological, the environmental, the social benefits, uh, and, and, and really examine that in a thoughtful way. So, I, I think it is important to say Osborne Village. Cordon, Albert Street, you know, which is the, you know, is are there choices here to make on a more permanent weekend structure? Uh, is it is it temporary permits like we have right now? If we look at something a little bit more permanent every weekend, what are some of uh, the things we need to be considering uh, in terms of traffic diversion, as you pointed out, um, or those economic social benefits?
1: So then, when when would it be a possibility that we would move forward with this on a every weekend basis like is that something you're seriously moving looking at moving forward with
6: well, I, I am interested in the revenue uh, and some of the data. Like I said, I am a policy analyst. Uh, the the increase of breadth of customers uh, identifying the streets uh, as uh, as unique and desirable for pedestrian malls. And I don't. I think we're just starting this conversation, given what happened last year with the exchange district biz who had a very, very thoughtful approach to their August to September uh, closing okay. off of Al- Albert. And so we're just, we're in initiation phases and, and I'm, I'm really happy to hear though the businesses stepping up and saying we like this and all the Winnipeggers that uh, stepped up in the newspaper and the media and said, what about this all year round? And so as a as a politician who, who does like to listen as much as she likes to talk, uh, it's, it, I think it's important to sit and listen for a bit.
0: We've got some feedback here on the text line seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight Spark Street in Ottawa is a great example yeah. of a, of a uh, pedestrian mall. Uh, Juliana says, uh, my favorite parts of major European cities are the pedestrian malls. Vienna is one of the best. Yeah. All the cafes and restaurants with the outdoor seating and uh, travel minstrels. Um, ma- traveling minstrels, pardon me, amazing. I was just in Croatia and I was in Helsinki last year and all the major cities that I was in uh, had pedestrian yeah. malls of some description. Uh, One of our listeners is appalled that we would even discuss this because this is too major of an artery. And uh, (laughs) Gordo says uh, Palm Springs closes uh, one of their major one-way streets every Thursday for a street fest every week of the year. We could do that for Winnipeg in the summer. So mostly positive response so far from our listeners. I think this is a a discussion worth having. I'd love to see it come to fruition. We will speak with uh, Justin Pacquiao chairman of the Osborne Street Biz at 8.45 to get his perspective on this, Sherry.
6: Good.
4: Winnipeg is under the grips of a powerful drug known on the streets as meth. Crystal meth is three times as powerful as cocaine and is among the most difficult drugs to permanently quit, this epidemic has caused crime rates in Winnipeg to soar, and much of it is being attributed to the increased use of meth. Help us make your community safe. You can call Winnipeg Crime Stoppers at 204. 204- 786-TIPS or send us a tip online. Callers never have to reveal their identity and may be eligible for a cash reward.
1: That's Detective Sergeant Tom McKay with the Winnipeg Police Service speaking for Crime Stoppers. One of the 24 recommendations on the Illicit Drug Task Force report which was released late last week is to promote the use of Crime Stoppers for reporting drug related activities. So let's speak to that organization. Paul Johnson is chairperson of Winnipeg Crime Stoppers. He has joined us in studio this morning. Paul, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So, what was your reaction when you heard that Crime Stoppers was specifically one of the recommendations in this report? Uh,
7: well, in all fairness, I had had an opportunity to speak to the uh, Police Service uh, in regards to this. when This is coming out ahead of time, and uh, we were actually very pleased to be part of it. So, it's uh, what it comes down to. I think I think there's definitely something we can we can do to uh, to deal with this issue as we've been doing now. So. Now, The Winnipeg Police, they include their phone number
1: for Crime Stoppers and almost every, if not all, of their news releases that they send out uh, to news organizations like ours that we then relay to the public, at least when it pertains to criminal activity. That number again, 204 786 TIPS. That's 204 786 8477. And yet, the fact that this is one of the recommendations, I think, maybe leads me to believe not enough people know about Crime Stoppers. Am I
7: wrong in that? Uh, I think everybody knows about it. There's always that, uh, when we go to these different community meetings, a lot of people have a lot of questions about, you know, how does it work, like how you can do that. Um, You know, so that's why we try to attend as many meetings as we can and and provide that information. Um, And then when it comes down to a lot of cases, people still, there's a a certain amount of fear about retribution that, you know, if they, they call in about this, you know, generally this gang related or something like this. They're living in areas that uh, they may feel they don't have a lot of protection. And, you know, it's, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult thing to pick up that phone and make that phone call. And um, all we can do is just keep uh, sending our message out there. And the way we look at it is that you know, we're trying to provide a method for them kind of to empower them to do something to help their community. I mean, they're the one that their kids are walking by this, they're, They're being affected by this, and hopefully that they they won't get caught up in this, Matthews. So we've spoken to
0: Cell Burrows multiple times. We we had an extensive conversation about the power line that's been affected in in the Point North Point Douglas neighborhood where where Cell lives uh, for years and years, and and he says that that's the most effective uh, form of of patrolling your neighborhood is eyes on the street. People who are prepared to share with somebody who can fix the problem, or at least try and do something about it. Uh, that's the most effective way to go about this. It's the most effective form of policing in, in uh, a lot of people's mind. How do you, how do you get people from that? I know this is happening. I really should say something to picking up that phone and taking that step.
7: Well, I mean, again, we have to. You know, see how does Brent, like you know, like how does it do get them out? Yeah. And again, a lot of times it's just being out there at these different meetings and speaking to people one on one. You know what? I wish I had an answer because I think every Crime Stopper program struggles with that. But um, you know, we're uh, the one big thing now is we, we've come really big into social media. We've got a couple of people on our board that have done an incredible job on in that. So I think it's something that uh, it it is helping a lot. You don't know if you got an answer for that. I'd love to hear it. But, what would your appeal
0: uh, be then to someone who's listening right now? Maybe they they know there's something going on in their neighborhood, but they're concerned about uh, being found out if they place a tip anonymously. Reassure them uh, as to how this would
7: would work. Sure. Well, what we can tell them is you make that phone call. Nobody's going to ask who you are. We're not going to record any information that may identify you. We don't even uh, record the sex of the the caller. Uh, the information is taken. Uh, we're very fortunate in Winnipeg, we have two very highly trained police officers that have also been in the investigation field that know how to ask questions and what questions to ask. And when they record that information, they make a point of recording it so that the, the, the person can't be identified. We don't want to identify that person because probably the, the, the biggest power that we have as crime stoppers is the guarantee of anonymity. And that, you know, we, again, it's convincing people that we really don't care who you are. We just care about the information that you have. And uh, hopefully it'll make your community a little safer. You have to decide whether or not you want to become involved, similar to what you were talking before in Point Douglas. You know, you want to step up, you want to do something. Here's an opportunity to do it. And, you know, tell people, like, don't be afraid to phone and ask questions. Uh, and that's the other thing you know they'll they'll uh, answer your questions that you have over that phone number.
1: Now I understand in recent months you've doubled the cash award that when it comes to leading to tips
7: on meth. Yes, is that correct? Yeah, we did that for a month as kind of a, a way to kind of stimulate calls on it. and how did it go? Um, well, unfortunately not as as well because we sometimes it takes more than that that week or month or so ever for that investigation to come through. So we may not get the results of that for a couple of months. Uh, what we're hopefully to target there more was the dealers and the suppliers. Uh, we got a lot of phone calls on, on meth users. And in all fairness, um, you know, I know a lot of times the meth users are also creating a lot of the crime, the, the petty crimes in Winnipeg. But unfortunately, the police just don't have the resources to follow it up. But that's not to say that those phone calls weren't important. Because we always say that every phone call is a little piece of the puzzle. And that information is, is recorded it's uh, it's kept, and, and you never know when it's going to come back and help them do that. You know, hey, wait a minute. I think we got something on this from before, and it does make a difference. So nothing is not important when you make that call. All right. That number again is 204 786 TIPS, 204 786
1: 8477. Winnipeg Crime Stoppers, again, completely anonymous. And if your tip leads to something, then you can get a cash reward. Paul Johnson, chairperson for Winnipeg Crime Stoppers, joining us live on CJOB. Paul, thank you for this. We appreciate it. It's Mackling and McGarry. In our next segment, we're going to talk more about this proposed Osborne Street pedestrian mall that we spoke to Sherry Rollins about, Councilor for Fort Rouge. And we played Beastie Boys for her as her Mm -hmm. intro music because we always bring in Mayor Brian Bowman with some Iron Maiden. Well, we're going back to City Hall this half hour with our guest and for Kevin Klein from Charleswood Tuxedo Westwood, we went with the Rocky theme because that's... Is that the, the ringtone on your phone there? Yeah.
8: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it goes off in a meeting, and then it's the next 15 minutes is everyone making fun of that. So yeah.
0: I think it's empowering. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I think it's forceful. It says you're here to do business. Yeah. And I like what you're here to talk to us about, Counselor Klein. No charge, solar powered, amber flashing lights in school zones. The school zone conversation is one that uh, I sometimes call it low hanging fruit in mm-hmm. talk radio because everybody has an opinion on. <laughs> On it. But I think it's coming to a, a point where people want the city to either convince us that the 30 kilometer an hour zones are working or step up the program to make these areas safer in a genuine fashion or be consistent with regard to how they're being enforced because we have to get the summer off. But then they they enforce it during Christmas and Easter break. Like the consistency thing, I think is what has a lot of people mm-hmm. who are even in favor of the thirty kilometer an hour zones up in arms. So I'll just read from your resolution here: Road safety is a growing concern in our community. Council is studying speed options to reduce the risks. If the intent is to true is truly about safety and not a cash grab, as some refer to it, then. This is a perfect opportunity to partner with our taxpayers. The strategy will raise driver awareness when entering a school zone. It's cost-effective, as it doesn't cost the city anything. And it is
8: all about safety. So what is this proposal? So the proposal is uh, uh, a member of my Charleswood resident advisory group is Chuck Lewis, who owns uh, Expert Electric. And he stepped up and said, if it's about safety, if we can save one life, I will pay for all of the lights himself. He will pay to install them all, and he will pay to maintain them all. They're programmable, so they don't go all night long. So when the school zone's not in effect, the lights would go down. Uh, They wouldn't flash. You could time them to start at an hour before school or a half hour before school or an hour after, whatever you'd like. And this is one of those things that as people are coming in in both directions, they'll see the flashing light. Right now, as you and I were talking, it's just a vehicle parked there you know, taking a picture of somebody. It's not, so they'll get a ticket in the mail, they don't lose any points, they're upset about it, but they pay it and life goes on. This is a method of saying, look, there could be kids running in and out of cars here. There's an opportunity for kids to cross the road. Why not put in that level of safety? And why not, especially because it's a taxpayer coming forward and saying, I care enough? That I'll pay for this. So we're talking about solar powered flashing amber lights, right, uh, at either end of school
0: zones all across the city, right? Boy, that sounds like a no brainer to me. Uh, what do we need to talk
8: about? What's what's the discussion? Well, it's funny because uh, I know in talking to uh, Chuck that the, he tried to do this in 2017, and the city said no. And I'm I'm still kind of wondering why. Like, it, what does that say to somebody? that does say, well, then it is just a cash grab. You know, there should be some kind of warning there. If you want to actually make a difference, do something. And I'm hoping they do this one because it is, it doesn't cost us anything. It's not going to offend anybody. It's the perfect thing to do. And I hope it doesn't get stalled, but oh, let's do a study. Oh, we've got to talk to the traffic department. Oh, we've got to talk to that department. The next thing you know, it's 2025 um, and they're still not up. So what formal steps have you then taken so far? This was the, the first step was yesterday? Yeah, so the first step was yesterday with the motion. I put the forward uh, the motion at the Assiniboia Community Committee meeting. It now goes to the property planning uh, blah, 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 blah department. That, uh, <laughs> it's very long um, for their standing policy committee meeting, which I'm on. And that department has the right to accept or deny gifts which is something I found out trying to, uh, doing the uh, research on this project. So that department will probably more than likely tell the, uh, the uh, traffic department to go back and bring us reasons why or why not uh, and talk to Mr. Lewis and try to get this going as quickly as possible. My demand is going to be that you come back next meeting, not in six months, don't ask for a delay. This is, this is as you so correctly said, a no-brainer. This is something that should happen right away. So,
0: you and I were also speaking off-air, and I am someone who's in favor of the 30-kilometer-an-hour zones, but I don't like the idea that you've got certain uh, school zones where there is always a a camera van station. That tells me there are enough people speeding in those areas that it's not visible, it's not perfectly apparent to certain people, and that certain people are not getting the message. So, we need to step up what we're doing to warn these people and to keep kids safe, if that's the intention... But I would double down on that and say, if these areas are going to have flashing lights, and even if you only got approval, say for a dozen areas, I would say, if it's got flashing lights and you're still speeding, we're going to double the fine.
8: I think it's a great idea. Now that's truly about safety because we're telling you where it is, we're giving you a warning. If you're still going to speed, that's on you, and you should pay the penalty for that. That's I would agree with that wholeheartedly.
1: So they, so Chuck has offered to put in these solar powered lights on. Every, like basically every school zone in a city yeah. on, on each sign coming and like on either side of the school yeah. zone. Did he tell you what that would cost him? Well, he
8: he he you know he kind of played around with it. He said, oh, maybe five or seven, eight, ten grand or whatever. But he it was funny because his response, because we were in our resident advisory meeting, was, but if it saves one child's life, because that's a small price to pay. Wow. So he's willing to do that. So, that, I mean, that to me was a statement that this person truly is sincere about this and cares. It's not about the money. He doesn't do contracts for the city. He's a small, you know, electrical company, does great work in the city. But uh, this is truly about him. And it was interesting because he just joined the advisory group after the election. And um, we started talking about it. He said, I've tried it before. Don't worry about it. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to do it. And I'm like, mm, no, I do. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and put it forward. I'm willing to fight that fight. And I th- I think people need to be supportive of this one and, and get on social media and let the rest of council know that this is an idea that makes sense. It's actionable right away. Um, it doesn't require a study. Uh, we know what amber lights do. They flash. We don't need to figure that out. We, we know how it goes. Um, and even uh, Chuck was telling me that it's programmable by a cell phone. If, he, if we wanted, he could hook it up so that they could program them with cell phones if they wanted to. So these are advanced technology that um a person in our community who's lived here his entire life he's you know happy to do business here is just saying i want to give back
0: well and in, in my mind what it does is it keeps both people or both groups of people that might be on two divergent sides of an issue and gives them very little to disagree about i understand it's inconvenient to slow down through a school zone sorry but uh, you know the whole idea of if it saves one kid's life i think it's worth it and on the other side, you can't complain about not being warned about it any longer. I right. think it just it, 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 it's, it's a bridge builder in my right. mind.
8: And as Chuck said, that he goes to many cities across North America and um, he sees them in other communities. I've seen them in other communities. I'm sure you all have. I, I, I don't know why we don't have them. And again, it just keeps saying to me, oh, it's, uh, it's, it is a cash issue. We need the money for that or we're budgeting with that money.
0: The favorite one I saw was in Croatia. If you were within the speed limit, you got a green thumbs up. If you were outside the uh, appropriate limit, you got a red sad face. It's, oh, really?
8: <laughs> yes. I the one that I saw in Tampa, Florida, a while ago. I thought was brilliant. It's a as you're driving down the road, if you're speeding, um, it, it's a sign. But it's about car height, and it's police lights that turn on. Oh wow! And people automatically—you could see people just hitting the brakes, hit the brakes, oh, hit God. the brakes. Yeah, because yeah, like they had no idea, right? And they—I uh, saw that and I thought, wow, that would be uh, that would be great. And they have that there, and then maybe one day put a real police card there. <laughs>
0: <And>
1: <laughs>
8: Imagine then, that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Where people could actually uh, learn at the very moment that they commit an infraction that they've done so exactly.
1: City Councilor Kevin Klein
0: joining us live, representative
1: of Charleswood Tuxedo Westwood. Once again, Chuck Lewis from Expert Electric has offered to install solar powered flashing amber lights in every school zone in the city of Winnipeg. And he is going to join Jeff Courier this morning on CJOB after 11 o'clock to tell us more. Kevin, thanks for for putting forward this motion and for bringing this to our attention. We appreciate it. Mackling and McGarry McNabb back next week. We are hoping to speak with the chairman of Osborne Biz, Justin Paquin, on the subject of the pedestrian mall in Osborne Village, having a hard time connecting with him. So we'll just talk to you on that because the proposal, some people are proposing that we make Osborne Village, at least from River to Stradbrook, a pedestrian mall every weekend over the summer mm-hmm. after the success, the ongoing success, quite frankly, year after year of the Canada Day Street Festival. That goes all the way to Confusion Corner, though, right?
0: I, I, I have to be honest. It's been probably 15, maybe 20 years I, since I've been down there, so I'll take your word for that. I, I would never have any reason to doubt you.
1: Yeah, I believe they, they they go to Macmillan on that one. Oh, and it looks like we do have Justin Paquin, but we have put up polls... On our 680CJOB Instagram story, Twitter and on Facebook, and I've just got the Instagram handy right now. And so far, to the question, should Osborne Village be a pedestrian mall every weekend in the summer? So far, it's about 65% yay, and uh,
0: 35% no way. On Twitter, it's 51% saying yeah, that'd be great. 49% 49% saying no. What a headache. So, why don't we bring in the uh, executive, uh, or the, pardon me, the chairman of the Osborne Street Biz, Justin Backwin. Justin, thanks for uh, making time for us this morning.
9: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, what's the reaction uh, been in the last 48 hours or so since this started get, getting floated around, uh, at least with the people you're speaking with?
9: I've had a variety of businesses reach out to me and they've asked me, uh, when's it happening? When, when do I need to staff up? Uh, so uh, so far, it's been a positive response from the phone calls and emails I've gotten. Uh, the board, uh, the Osborne Village Biz Board, has been talking about this for the past uh, few years in in terms of what uh, what can be done uh, during the summer to uh, continue uh, continue building a community here in the village to continue uh, getting people out walking the streets. Uh, Coming to uh, the retail outlets, coming to shops, and coming to the service providers here, and uh, there's there's a, we we keep on looking outward to what happens in uh, other cities like Toronto, Ottawa, Edmonton, Calgary, uh, and and more to what they're doing, and the you know pedestrian malls, the outdoor street closures are something that are just so popular in these other uh, you know er, you know er, urban downtown uh, city areas and it's something that we really feel could be uh, could be really an attractive space uh, for the Osborne Village uh, in Osborne here.
1: Well, and I used to live in Osborne Village and live near Osborne Village, and I love going for walks in Osborne Village, and I li- love the idea of River to Stradbrook being a pedestrian mall, uh, but yet uh, that's as a pedestrian and just as somebody who might be in the neighborhood, but as uh, somebody in my car, uh, the idea of losing Osborne as a way to get through the city i find that to that would be challenging like so doing it once a year for the street festival is one thing because we know it's coming but if you do it every weekend would that not be a headache having to divert traffic every weekend through the neighborhood
9: it certainly would be um work uh you know it would it would definitely need a, a variety of parties uh you know involvement and commitment uh, I think the residents in the area should certainly have uh, some say in what uh an influence over what happens uh the city of Winnipeg Winnipeg transit of course uh, all need to have you know their input uh i do I do believe the the benefit of this type of uh street closure would certainly outweigh uh all of the costs i I think Winnipeg uh, can be uh, a bit more progressive in these kinds of moves to to create something. Uh, exciting for for our city Uh, but you know it you know uh, every weekend is you know uh, certainly a goal but it doesn't have to be every weekend it can start off by being just you know a couple other weekends in the summer or uh, just to to test it out to see how it works Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a full festival every single weekend it can simply just be a street closure and uh, you know, retail restaurants simply just invite people uh, to their doorsteps by just walking across the street. There can just be a, you know a couple, you know, uh, street performers, uh, s- something simple to start, uh, and then uh, we can gauge uh, interest levels, engage uh, what uh, what needs to be done uh, from there.
0: Now, uh, Justin, the, the village continues to evolve and uh, more densified uh, housing, and uh, which poses several problems in terms of parking. Uh, parking has been uh, the bane of the Osborne Village uh, uh, merchant's existence for an awful long time, and the more people who live in a square block, the more cars that brings. Um, is that not the ultimate challenge here, is uh, is having enough parking for people to come to businesses as they exist presently?
9: It is a challenge. Uh, you know, Winnipeg is a, a commuter city, Uh, and the, you know, with Osborne Village Biz not having, uh, many, uh, you know, parking lots or many spaces to park, it it does cause some challenges. However, I would say that there are, um, you know, solutions to, to all of that, um, you know, taking Winnipeg Transit, uh, walking to the area and parking on the side streets. It's not, you know, commonly known, uh, just because everyone always looks for a, a parking lot. But there are a variety of side streets here that would uh, that are available to park at uh, during the summer. Uh, again, parking in Osborne Village during the summer would be much easier than it would be parking during the winter. Good point. Since you don't have to worry about the street closures for street cleaning.
1: I I, I would say though, as someone who has tried to park uh, my car in Osborne Village at any time of year, it's it is challenging at the. Best of times. Uh, yes. So, so to, re- to to rely on street parking as as an option, uh, I, I I'm not sure that I would be comfortable with with sort of yeah. putting my planting my flag in that one, Justin. Yeah, it, it, it's
9: it's it's a it's going to be an uh, it's always going to be a challenge in this area unless there were some sort of major you know neighborhood plan change that would allow some uh, parkade to be built. Uh, though I would also say the a, a number of businesses in this area would advocate for that, uh, that um, that to me would be a bigger challenge to accomplish than a uh, uh, street closure.
1: Justin Paquin is the chairman of Osborne Biz, joining us live on 680 CJOB to talk about an Osborne Street pedestrian mall. Justin, I uh, love the, uh, the enthusiasm, though, on this and the, that you guys are talking about this. So thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it.
9: Thank you so much. Look forward to everyone giving in their input.
0: You know what? Um, it was the tweet from Jessica Corbett which caught my eye June 13th. We, we came in early morning and I was scrolling through Twitter, Brett, as I often do. And this was the morning after the St. Blue, Louis Blues won their first ever Stanley Cup. And here's the tweet not to be lost on last night. 14 year vet Chris Thorburn was handed the cup third. He spent the entire season in the AHL and the Blues recalled him in April. This allowed his NHL insurance to kick back in and cover expenses for his autistic son coverage that he lost by being sent down this acquisition by the blues to help the family be back together as they spent the season apart. So his son could remain in his specialized school in St. Louis and with the insurance back cover expenses for their son. This is just an all time gesture by the blues in my opinion. And Jessica I could not agree more. Six years a member of our community as a Winnipeg Jet is Chris Thorburn. Chris joins us now. Good morning, Chris.
10: Hey, guys. How are we doing?
0: We're doing really well. Congratulations on the Stanley Cup. What an incredible adventure for you and a culmination of a a career that uh, I imagine the Stanley Cup might have seemed like the last thing you'd ever hoist.
10: Uh, well, yeah, especially uh, you know with the way this season has went. pretty much my whole career, I've up to this point only had four playoff games of experience. Um, so the, uh, the experience wasn't there as far as the playoffs wise, or even making a, a cup run. But uh, for a team like this, obviously not the traditional way as far as uh, playing in the games, but uh, to be around the atmosphere and and the energy and just experience all that was uh, definitely a dream come true.
0: Well, don't downplay it. It's clear what you meant and mean to your teammates in St. Louis getting handed the cup third in a line of, of players, uh, most of which had never won the Stanley cup themselves. That speaks volumes about the way you're respected in the room, Chris.
10: Yeah, it, it, it does. And then I'll, I'll never forget that. Uh, like I told the guys, I am like, don't, go do your thing, and I'll, I'll get my turn, but uh, they insisted, and uh, it just shows you what kind of group uh, we had here in St. Louis. Uh, older group, but filled in with some uh, some young kids, but um, just to be a part of this group uh, was something special, something I'll cherish forever and, uh, and honored and proud, really.
0: Well, you were such a big part of the community when you lived here, Chris. You, you went above and beyond in terms of being accessible to the fans and, and interacted with them on a different level, but maybe one story we didn't know about. Entirely, or maybe not at all, and maybe that was by design. Was had to do with your son Bennett. Tell us about Bennett.
10: Yeah, uh, well, he's doing great, and uh, I mean, he was in a great situation in Winnipeg. And uh, to be honest, we uh, we were quiet about it at first, just because we we're still learning the process, uh, especially in Winnipeg. He's only two when he came, so we we're still trying to figure out our path and uh, what was best for him. But uh, I tell you what, we fell into a good uh, group of people there in Winnipeg. Uh, uh, the, the main one being Tannis Mack, who was his uh, special aide, and uh, she became a big part of our family and a friend for life. Um, and then, uh, we, like when we uh, when we didn't resign there, we were nervous just because of the setup that we had in Winnipeg. But uh, we fell in some, into some good hands here uh, in St. Louis, and um, it's just uh, it kept that ball rolling. And bennett has been progressing ever since, so we're thankful for the people that we come in contact away from the rink and. Uh, what they've done for our family and uh, our son Bennett uh, specifically.
1: So your son Bennett is autistic. How old was he when you first yeah. knew that uh, he was special?
10: We got him. We got him diagnosed in Winnipeg. So he was uh, three, three between three and four. So we got him diagnosed there in Winnipeg, and uh, and like I said, was uh, was learning the process as we went. Um, but a lot of the stuff took place in Winnipeg, and like I said, just the people there that would explain stuff to us, uh, one other way to make things easier and, uh, and manageable for us, uh, we're, we're truly thankful for that.
0: Now, Chris, if you'd not signed with St. Louis um, even a couple of years ago or not, maybe re-signed with them uh, last year, you're from Ontario, you're a Canadian citizen. Was coming back yeah. to Winnipeg an option for you, perhaps, Had you had to hang up hang up the skates for good?
10: Yeah, it, it was uh, – I mean, it still, it still is an option. Right now I'm unemployed, obviously, but uh, it's not a sales pitch by any means. It just goes to show kind of – it just goes to show I got so much respect for that organization, that city, and uh, our time there, six years, was something special. Uh, like I said, not just with Bennett, but um, just the community and, and the hockey organization. It's, uh, it's a top-run program, and the people involved are people that I uh, – like to see myself involved with in the future. So it uh, starts with Mark Chipman, and then it goes right down the line to everyone in that front office at Chief North, and um, we still keep in contact with uh, with a lot of them, myself uh, and my wife uh, as well. So um, but we still have ties there, but uh, we'll see what happens in the future here.
1: So the Blues kept to you; they brought you back to the NHL roster. Uh, so that you could have yeah. access to to better insurance and, and benefits. Did, so how did that like was that there a conversation about that leading up to that?
10: Yeah, yeah. Well, throughout the whole year, Doug Armstrong uh, he kept uh, pretty good tabs with me as far as letting me know what uh, the plans were um, throughout the course of the year. Obviously, they didn't start out well, and there's a lot of moving parts, and uh, obviously the coach being fired, so. Um, there wasn't much he could have done early, but he did a great job at keeping me informed of uh, the situation. And then uh, every time, it, there was times throughout the season where they'd allow me to fly back and spend the week with my family and when the schedule was light in the AHL. So uh, they made it very manageable for us and allowed it to work for us. Otherwise, I don't know what would have happened if I was stuck in San Antonio and the family was here. I don't know what the future of the season would have helped, but um, they allowed me the, a lot of flexibility. And then uh, it got near the end of the year and, I had a conversation with Army, and Army had a conversation with my agent just asking him um, if this would be a possibility. And he uh, right away said yes. He's like, if everything works out, because after the trade deadline, you're only about four call-ups. So I think they were down to two. So I needed everyone to stay healthy. Like, selfishly, I needed everyone to stay healthy for this thing to work out. And and everybody did, which was great. And I got my call-up, and... And in the same conversation at then when he told me he was going to call me up, he offered me a roster spot for the playoffs. And, uh I mean, just, just top-notch stuff and stuff that I'll be thankful for forever.
0: So, you know, everybody thinks the the life of a professional athlete is so glamorous. There are ups and downs in every occupation, and that's certainly not exclusive uh, to the jobs that Brett and I do. Uh, You experience it and have experienced it yourself, and then you throw in this wild card with uh, your beautiful boy, and uh, it's not easy, right? And, I mean, you were away from the the family for, for almost eight months straight,
10: Right, yeah, but but like I said, St. Louis made it manageable, but like you're saying too, everyone's got their problems, big, small, just all depends on what you're used to dealing with, right? So um, this was our issue, nothing that, you know, we weren't ready to face, but uh, it's just a matter of the people that you surround yourself with, the people that you come in contact with. And throughout my career, I've been very fortunate uh, to come across some very uh, great people that uh, are willing to help you out. And uh, This is just another instance where I've been helped out and, not to mention the times I've been helped in Winnipeg that, like you said, was kept uh, kind of in the back burner, kind of quiet. Um, so we've, we've, we've been given a helping hand our, our whole career, and uh, we're very thankful. Like I said, I, I, can't, I can't express how thankful we are because um, I don't think I would have made it through a, a lengthy career without the people that uh, were around me.
1: So what will be next then uh, for your son as you move forward?
10: Well, we're, we're going to try. We built our home base in Michigan. Uh, I'm from to St. Marie and my wife, I met her in junior hockey. So we built a home base in your family. So we're in the process right now of trying to, we're going to try and move back, try and give them an opportunity to uh, get settled in in that community uh, as well as my daughter. She's two. So she's ready to mix it up with family members and stuff like that. So we just want to give the kids some, uh, an opportunity to kind of do the family thing, see if that works. And if not, uh, we'll kind of circle back into where we're at and, um, St. Louis has always been an option just because of the services that they, uh, they do provide. Yeah,
0: it's a real challenge. I know uh, several people in the United States with kids in a similar situation as Bennett and parents in the same situation as you and Sarah, uh, Chris. And, and I know people that have moved across state lines and do a commute uh, from one state into a major city in a different state because the programs, say, in Indiana are better than they are in Ohio.
10: Yeah, and that's that seems to be uh, the the thing. It's it's not too popular yet as far as facilities uh, uh, and opportunities for kids to uh, go to get the help that they need. So, uh, Saint Louis provides that. They do have a lot of options, a lot of uh, you know private uh, uh, businesses, I guess, that uh, provide uh, the therapies that my that my boy needs. So. Um, yeah, just a, at least it's an option, right? So that's all you look for is options, and then just making the right decision as far as uh, going forward.
0: Chris, I always believe uh, you get what you give, and you've been a giver, uh, an amazing teammate, and I, I think uh, you, you deserved everything that you got in this situation. Thanks for not forgetting about us here in Winnipeg, and once again, congratulations on the Stanley Cup. It, it sounds pretty good, doesn't it?
10: Uh it's awesome, man! And uh, I'll never forget uh, forget you guys back in Winnipeg. Man, I had a blast, and uh, yeah, you guys will always be remembered, bud.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show. Tell us what you think.